This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked Hannah Fletcher, a design program manager at Facebook, what she has learned about design since working there, and here's what she had to say. I've gotten this really cool makeshift design education here between working with designers, designing and screen printing my own work in the analog lab, and then running the Facebook design lecture series where I've gotten a a lot of one-on-one time with these really incredible designers. Sounds pretty cool, right? Learn more about designing at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, HyperAct is looking for a strategic planner in Brooklyn. American University in Washington, D.C. is looking for a web developer. Bandcamp is looking for an editorial designer slash art director. MapZen is looking for a developer community manager. Gravity Tank is looking for an interaction designer. Buffer is hiring for several different roles, front-end developer, product creator, marketing engineer, data analyst, and customer researcher. And Revision Path is looking for staff writers. You can apply for all of these positions on the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about our other sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. MailChimp is the best software out there for sending marketing emails, automated messages, and targeted campaigns. You can join more than 10 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 600 million emails every day. Sign up today at MailChimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it super easy for you to find the domain name that you're looking for and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and save 10% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising update. So we're still holding steady at 32 patrons. That's for a combined total of $206 per month. Again, a huge thanks for everyone that has already pledged your support for the show. Really, really means a lot. I actually was able to use a good bit of that money and put it back into doing some merch. So for patrons, um, you'll see a message from me pretty soon about some new merch that I've been working on. Uh, If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some really great perks like special giveaways, we just did a book giveaway earlier this month, uh, early access to future episodes, and free Revision Path swag, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge level start at just $1 per month and it's a really great way to support the show on a regular basis. Speaking of which, are you a part of our Slack community? If not, you should totally check it out. Head over to revisionpath.com forward slash Slack and you can sign up for an invite. Uh, you can come talk with me and other Revision Path supporters. 
There's a lot of lively conversation going on there. I have to tell you, we're up to about 91, 92 members right now. Lots of great conversation going on. We've also got a lot of different channels, like a music channel. We've got channels for coders, for designers, for entrepreneurs. We've got our jobs channel that I mentioned earlier. Uh, really great stuff. So again, revisionpath.com forward slash Slack. Come through and say hey. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with Antoinette Smith, an instructor and software engineer at Prime Digital Academy in Bloomington, Minnesota. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. I'm Antoinette, and I'm an instructor and software engineer at Prime Digital Academy. Talk to me about Prime Digital Academy. How'd you get started there? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So Prime Digital Academy was founded last year as a boot camp, a coding boot camp in the Twin Cities. And so at the time, I was working at Target as an API engineer. And the woman that recruited me to Target let me know about this opportunity with Minnesota's like Department of Employment and Education something just to talk about like an apprenticeship program they were doing for people that want to get into technology, especially like, you know, minorities and that sort of thing. So I went to this meeting about like what this apprenticeship program should look like. And Mark Hurlbert, who's the president of Prime Academy, was also at that meeting. And after I saw him there, he invited me to come take a look at Prime and to see if I wanted to teach there. And that's kind of how I got there. So what subjects or, or languages are you teaching? Yeah, we teach MeanStack. So it's Mongo, Express, Angular, Node. So all JavaScript. We also do SQL because most employers in the Twin Cities want SQL over MongoDB. We also, you know, do regular the things like Git that people need to know, HTML, CSS, basic web stack stuff. Okay. And I mean, how is it so far? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, it is really challenging. I enjoy it because it's challenging. So Prime, what they did was they hired a lot of uh, software engineers to be instructors. And so, I mean, it's just learning how to teach and then also switching from being a Java developer to a JavaScript developer. It's just, it's extremely challenging, but it's really rewarding, like working with people who are making serious life changes, trying to have better careers or just be like more fulfilled by the things that they do is, is really rewarding. Now, one of the, the criticisms that people tend to have about coding boot camps and these kinds of, uh, of programs is whether or not they're actually viable for the students once they've graduated. Like, for example, the cost to get in some of them can be pretty astronomical. Mm -hmm. And there may or may not be a guarantee of you actually getting a job after you finish, even though you've, you've went through the program. Has Prime sort of addressed that in any sort of way? What's it been like? Yeah. So at Prime, people have a variety of options for funding. One of those is every woman and or minority is automatically qualified for a scholarship. It's a pretty, you know, small scholarship, but it's something. But at the same time, we also work with JFCS, which is like Jewish Family Services or something like that. And they actually provide scholarships for students that are in need. So that really allows us to get applicants who would otherwise not be able to get in. But also... Oh, about employment. From our first cohort, 95% of the applicants have jobs. And so they graduated in the summer. For our next succeeding cohorts, the second and third cohorts, I believe the placement is at like 85% and then above 50%. So 
people are definitely hiring our graduates and we also work with our graduates a lot. We have Taylor. So Taylor Sanquist is out there trying to help students learn about what jobs are available. She also has like a huge network of employers because she used to be at a recruiting company. And we have students that come in all the time that are still looking that are like there to like help each other out. And like, I'm really optimistic. Also, like Mark spends a lot of time just talking to employers just to make them see the value of Prime Academy. Because you're right, we do have a lot of skeptics, but we also work really hard to show them the value that's there. And so far, we've had a lot of backing from like the city. Mark, the president has like been to the White House to meet President Obama. I mean, it's it feels like we have a lot of good momentum and a lot of goodwill. And so we do definitely want all of our students to find jobs. And that's super important for us. Where do you kind of see yourself there maybe within the next year or so? Do you think you'll you'll still end up at the same place teaching the same types of uh, things that you're teaching now? Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, and it's kind of funny because while we teach mean stack, most of our students don't actually get jobs doing Node. Most of them get jobs doing like anything other than that, you know, java.net. It's kind of weird. I mean, I think that we will stick with the mean stack because the syntax, it's the syntax part that makes it kind of easy to, you know, go from front end to back end still using pretty much the same syntax without having that leap of, okay, now you have to learn the syntax that PHP uses, or now you have to learn the syntax that C-sharp.net uses. So I feel like we'll still do that, but I think that we'll also probably change the program to have a little more front end. So not specifically client side, because we do a lot of client side with Angular, but I think we will have a little more focus on just like HTML and CSS. Okay. I figure that because, you know, the way that technology moves so quickly in this industry, it feels like what is really well used now, particularly with these newer languages and frame, well, these newer frameworks, I should say, Mm -hmm. can shift just based on whatever, you know, different companies are using. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, here in the Twin Cities, we have a lot of medical technology companies, and I feel like those companies are probably using technologies that are not like the cutting edge ones. But I still feel like, you know, definitely if you are able to recognize like, okay, this is client side logic, this is what the client does, this is server side logic, this is what the server does, this is what a database looks like, and this is how I can get data out of it, then I think that people that graduate from our program will be able to make that leap, especially because companies like larger companies seem to have a far better support network for new people than like startups. But with our startups that are here in the Twin Cities, I think those are the places where we'll be able to see like people using Node and people using React. So I guess React is one thing that maybe could get added if it actually really catches on here. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, where do the students end up after graduating? You said they end up getting placed at companies that are are in and around the Twin Cities area. Mm -hmm. But what are kind of some success stories from, from Prime? Wow. There's so many. I I mean, so it's funny because uh, when I started the beta cohort, which was the very first cohort, was graduating. We have a woman there named Caitlin who she, you know, when she was going through the program, she had like project management experience before. Also, she was going through some stressful stuff. So it was like, you know, her getting through the program was an achievement in itself. But then, you know, she started working at the nerdery. 
doing JavaScript development. And then she like months later was a team lead. So it's just like, that's like pretty amazing. I especially love it because she's a woman. And so I'm like, yes, we need more women in tech because I don't like being the only woman. So yeah, that's one. Let's see, what else? I don't know. I mean, I'm always excited when any of our students like are like, oh, you know, I got an interview. And then I'm super excited when they're like, oh, they offered me a job. We had one student, Jason, from last cohort, who was just out and about and like doing networking, like going to JavaScript MN meetups. And he kept running into the same people at this company called Foundry. And like the more they talked, the more they like really liked each other. And then he had a job the Monday after he graduated from Foundry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's quick. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So based on what you kind of said before, it sounds like you like primarily working with databases would that be an accurate thing to, uh, to guess i yes i love working with databases i love <laughs> i love doing data i also like server-side logic but yeah databases are the thing that i have the most experience with i would say so i it just feels super comfortable for me what like languages and frameworks do you find yourself using the most <laughs> I will use anything like I have no preference, but, you know, just straight up whatever SQL. I'll do MySQL. I'll do Postgres. SQL Server. Actually, I don't like SQL Server that much, but I will do it if I have to. Yeah, that's about it. I'm not a huge fan yet of uh, NoSQL databases, but I think that's just because I haven't had an opportunity to use them a lot. So, I think I saw something about NoSQL databases, like how they're used with sort of flat file CMSs, I sort of get it, but not really. Like, I'm not that much of a bad... I know enough back-end stuff to be dangerous, mm -hmm. certainly not enough to, to, like, build stuff from scratch. But if you drop me in PHP, my admin, I'd kind of know what I'm doing For a little sure. bit. Like a, like, a little bit, I know. I would know. So, so you're located in the kind of Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. Outside of what you're doing with Prime, tell me, like, what is the tech scene like there for you? Is it pretty vibrant? Before I moved here, I was living in Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago. So I moved here in 2010. And I felt like when I was in Chicago, probably because I was an undergrad at Illinois Institute of Technology, it just felt like there were more like exciting startup, you know, type of things going on in Chicago. But I also think it's because I'm just a little more familiar with Chicago in general. So what I get here is... I don't know. I feel like I don't have a pulse really on the tech community here. I feel like I've been, you know, I've been involved in organizing for Closure Bridge, which is for women and non-gender performing people to learn closure. I've just started the Twin Cities Black and Technologies meetup because I wanted to meet, you know, more black people that are, are doing tech locally. And, you know, when I read the Minneapolis Business Journal, it seems like there, there are a lot of startups here, but they're all like pretty small right now. And a lot of them have to do with like medical stuff. And I'm really not into medical stuff. So it's a little less exciting for me. But yeah, I guess I really don't have a pulse on it. I'm going to be, I've been organizing for Mini WebCon, which is a Midwest web conference, one of the only ones out here and I think I'll learn more there but honestly it's not bad I mean we have Twin Cities Code Camp which happens twice a year and it's completely free and they have some really amazing speakers there I think we have like no shortage of tech things that happen here but I guess I don't specifically feel like I'm like 
part of the tech community. That's that's interesting because you are an instructor and you kind of help <laughs> teach people and I guess sort of put them in the tech community. So that's kind of an interesting yeah. vantage point to have. I feel like a connector, but not like a part. <laughs> well, I, I noticed on your on your LinkedIn profile you say that you, you call yourself a technology enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> which I thought was so interesting because then I looked at all the stuff that you've done. I'm like, that doesn't really seem like that would work, but but I guess if you're moving from a new place, that that can make sense. That can make sense. But let's go back to Illinois. Let's talk about Illinois Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. You study technical communication there, right? Yes. How was the program? Do you feel like it helped prepare you? <laughs> you know, okay. So true story. Like this is not a very like uh, true story is that I received a degree in technical communication because originally when I graduated from high school, I went to school for civil engineering because my father's a civil engineer. Okay. So I was I was in Virginia so I could get as far away from my parents as possible. And then <laughs> I was trying to like be a student, but I was a terrible student because in high school things were like really easy for me. So I really mm-hmm. never built up any like studying skills. And it just it was just hard. And also just being away. I actually, you know, I tried to get away from my parents, but then like I missed my family terribly. And so it wasn't working out. So I come back to Illinois after two years there, and then I try to complete my degree in civil engineering, and I just realized I really didn't like civil engineering. Like, I just had no interest in it, and I feel like I I was going to make a point. So I actually changed my major a few times, and finally, you know, I was at a job. I was actually, like, an administrative assistant. My mom did a lot of administrative work. So I was an administrative assistant at this nonprofit and the HR woman kept saying, you know, anyone that works here needs to have a degree. And I was like, all right, fine, I'm going to go back to school. So I looked at like all of the course catalog and I tried to find a major that had classes that I actually wanted to take. And that is why I chose technical communication. (laughs) Yeah. And then I minored in computer science because I I did have an interest. But it's just when I looked at the courses in computer science, I was like, yeah, some of those I definitely I don't care about. So, yeah. Yep. (laughs) When I started undergrad, I started at Morehouse and I wanted to do like computer science, computer engineering, because my mom wanted me to be like, you know, Dwayne Wayne from a different (laughs) world. and I, you know, was like, yeah, I could, I could do engineering. I, I could get into that. Like, I was good at math um, in high school. I was like, captain of the math club and the mathletes and all that nerdy stuff. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. But then the first semester, I just hated it. Like my professors, I didn't feel like I got along with my professors. Like I, there wasn't that rapport. Mm-hmm. One of my professors used to do this like fake out habit where for, I don't know, 55 minutes of the course, he would just ramble on about anecdotes about his fishing buddies and when he was a young man and things of that nature and then as people are filing out of the class because they have to go to their next class then he'll start teaching (laughs) and so I don't know if that was to force us to kind of do more of the work Uh on our own but it felt like very sadistic to because first of all you're like wasting our time like people are in class falling asleep we're here to learn we're not here to know your life story and I remember going to him and telling him that I actually wanted to be a web designer and mm-hmm. like, well, I think it was back then it was webmaster. So I'm dating myself, but mm-hmm. uh, it was to, you know, to be a webmaster and do things on the Internet and learn how to make web pages. And he's like, yeah, you should probably change your major <laughs> because we're going to be doing like C++ and assembly mm-hmm. and Java and we don't do anything with the web. And I remember 
He looked at me in my face and said, the web is a fad. <laughs> and I just, I, I didn't know what to say because I was like, oh man, I'm proving you wrong. And I switched my major over to math and oh. uh, got my degree in math. The rest was history after that. Nice. Uh, so I, I know what you mean kind of about kind of trying to find courses that you wanted to take because I really like math. Mm-hmm. And so all the math courses I wanted to take, but like, I don't want to be a math teacher. I just like math. But I feel that, you know, when you're going to college, particularly, you know, if you're maybe like the first person in your in your family to go to college or something like that, the onus is on you to find or, or to, to get a major or something that's going to relate to you getting a job. Yeah. You know, like you go to college to get the skills to get a job. Right. Which... I get that, but I should also enjoy it too, right? Like, I don't want to just slave through it and not really like it. Yeah. And my computer classes, I didn't really, I was picking up on it, but I just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Whereas my math classes, I was picking up on it and I loved it. So it was like a totally different kind of, just totally different kind of experience. But then it's so interesting because when I graduated, I couldn't find a job. (laughs) 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 Because no one would hire you with a math degree. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was selling tickets at the symphony and uh, i remember you know sort of telling her like yeah i have a degree now and i'd like to kind of apply for doing this full-time as opposed to kind of part-time what i'm doing right now and she fired me on my day off like like yeah that's not gonna happen (laughs) but it was so hard trying to find something with that degree because everything i would go to my my old advisor and he'd say well you could go to graduate school like yeah i don't want to do that i don't want to go to graduate school for math (laughs) he's like well why did you you know do math as an undergraduate degree I was like, because I really like math. And he's like, that's it? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. He's like, well, usually people major in math because they want to be career mathematicians. They don't just do it because they like it. (laughs) Like, oh, well, I did. So you you got anything for me, like an actuarial position or statistician or something? Nothing. Couldn't find anything. And so my fallback was actually the web because I had been, you know, doing web design and HTML and stuff on the side Mm -hmm. and I ended up kind of turning my my then hobby into my now career. So it's so interesting how that sort of happens with college, how the the expectation there to go to college, to take courses, to get a job, how that can just sort of change once you really get out there in the real world. You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I went to college, I didn't even think that, you know, programming websites was a thing that made money. Like I had no clue that there would be a career for people that did that, because, you know, I did that, you know, I would be on AOL and GeoCities and, you know, you know, making changes to little sites and on HTML goodies and learning how to do stuff with HTML. One of my older brothers uh, was doing graphic design. And then at that place, he started doing web development. And then he started like, you know, working on his own. And this was when Flash was super hot. So like all of his sites were Flash, but he had a client that wanted to be able to change like some of the content on the site without him having to rebuild it. And so I took the opportunity there to like learn action scripts so I could get the data from, from the form or to display the data on the flash site. And then I picked up a book on PHP and MySQL and I just built like the whole thing, like this whole content management system. I mean, it wasn't like the most exciting or sophisticated thing, but I just remember thinking that it was like an interesting thing to do, but it's not a way to make money, you know? And so I was going to college to get a job so I could make good money because that was my goals. I wish I had realized 
at that time that, you know, that actually was a thing instead of like bouncing around and kind of doing all these other things. <laughs> well, something interesting that you, you know, kind of mentioned there, because I was about to ask what drew you to programming. <laughs> and it seems like the thing that drew you to programming was learning by building something. Yes. Is that sort of the same philosophy that you have when you're teaching students at Prime? Yeah. I mean, all of everything that we do at Prime is building things, building things a lot with a group or another person. So it's very much focused on working with people and then building things to solidify like the concepts that you've been introduced to. I know for myself, like I will not learn anything if I don't do it or if I don't have a reason to do it. Like I have to have some pressure on me to like, (laughs) to learn the new thing. So, Mm -hmm. So after you you graduated from Illinois Institute of Technology, I see from looking at your your LinkedIn profile that you worked a fair bit, like you worked at a bunch of different places, but then eventually you ended up coming back to going to the University of St. Thomas Mm -hmm. to get your master's degree. Do you feel like that having that work experience first helped you out once you went back to school? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, even when I was an undergrad, I had spent a lot of time working because the first time I, I left college, I spent two years as an engineering technician and then I did some other random stuff. So, I mean, I've always had like a job, but as far as being like in my master's program, yeah, I, I mean, I think it is really useful. I'm actually getting, and I haven't finished yet, I'm getting a dual master's in uh software engineering and business administration. And I can tell you that when I was doing my non-programming job, like when I first got here, where I was a solutions engineer at the nerdery, that, you know, I would be in my software engineering classes and feeling a little disconnected with what was going on because I wasn't actually doing programming at the time. But now, you know, as I'm doing programming and I'm in these classes, I'm like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I can totally see how I can apply this. And so that's been really great. Okay. And and what is the the MBA? You say it's a dual MBA software engineering. What's that program like? It is. It's just really long. It's a lot of. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of. It's a lot of classes. I mean, I I never took any business type of classes when I was an undergrad. So it's just you know I'm just kind of learning like what are the things you think about like when you're running a business and what are the things I should be aware of basically just in case I ever you know want to have my own business. But you know the MBA program, I would say the instructors are just so different than the software engineering instructors. It's just like. MBA instructors are far more charismatic. Software engineering <laughs> instructors are like less charismatic. And, and it's kind of like, it's definitely more of a mixed bag on the software engineering program than the MBA mm-hmm. program. So, <laughs> And you said you worked for the nerdery for a while. I've heard of the nerdery. They're like this custom like web development mm-hmm. shop. I guess that's sort of putting it, stro- that's sort of painting it with a broad <laughs> brush by calling it that. But what was it like working there? What kind of work did you do? So the nerdery has two locations, Chicago and Bloomington. And so I decided that I just, you know, wanted to live somewhere else, but not too far from my family. So I took a job as a solutions engineer that kind of combined, you know, my technical communication degree with also the things that I knew about web development. And part of that was just working with salespeople and potential clients to take their wants of what they wanted, like to get what they want, and then translate that into a signable proposal that talked about, you know, what the application would do and that sort of thing. And then hand that off to development if it got signed. 
Working at the nerdy was really cool. I, I mean, I would say it's the first place that I've worked at that I felt like I could be myself. I would say there are a lot of really quirky people at the nerdery. And so I made a, a lot of like friends there. Um, I met my husband there. So it was good overall. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of great stuff about the nerdery. I, they usually contact me every now and then for web stuff. Like they're like, oh, we, we want to know if we can help you out with this or we'll send you this, you know, white paper or uh-huh. something like that. So it does seem like a very like creatively open place to work. So that's that's good to hear. Yeah, they're also the owners of the nerdery are actually partial owners of Prime Academy as well. Oh, nice. Yep. That's that's good. <laughs> so let's kind of, you know, switch gears here a little bit. Let's talk more about you personally. Who do you look to for inspiration? Like, are there any people that you, you look up to and admire in this industry? Yeah, I mean, I admire every other black person that's doing amazing things. Like, you know, like you put all of this work in a revision path and like, it's really inspiring just being able to like go to revision path and listen to the stories of another black person just doing tech or like doing something awesome. So that's inspiring. I will say that, you know, part of the reason that I started the Twin Cities Blacks and Technology Meetup was because a woman named Sharon, African-American woman, uh, developer, she reached out to me because she heard about me through some friends of mine and she just wanted to encourage me to like do my thing, you know, and it's just amazing. It's just people, you know, I've had multiple people, African-Americans kind of in the area just kind of say, hey, you know, if there's anything you want to do, like, let me know if you want to talk. So, I mean, that's just been amazing to have that kind of encouragement. But I, I honestly, I just look up to anyone who's like a minority and that is just like kind of killing it. So did you have any mentors or anything as you you were coming up? Let's say this was in school or even when you were out of school, any people that really kind of helped helped you along your path to where you are now? No, I definitely I haven't had any mentors. I don't even know that I would be a good mentee. I'm so introverted that I just like to spend a lot of time in my head. So no, I mean, I, I honestly think that I just, you know, I just, I'm just very curious about things and I just, I want to make sure that I have enough opportunities kind of in my grasp to ultimately do the things that I want to do. And most of that is just being present for other Black women that want to be in tech, you know, just to show them that like, this is a thing that you can do. And also just, you know, with all of the things going on, with like Ferguson, Trayvon, just trying to figure out how I can make this place better, how I can make things better for for people of African descent in this country. So I don't know. I don't even know how, but I'm just like, I'm just opening myself up to the possibilities of being able to make small changes here and there. Are there other Black women in the Prime Academy? Yeah. So... My current cohort has four black women, which is up from zero black women, I'm pretty sure, in any of the previous cohorts. And we've only had like four cohorts. So, I mean, and to have all of the black women in one cohort is pretty amazing. But we have had one black man in the last cohort, I think in Epsilon, and he's currently working at Olsen. But yeah, yep, four black women right now. And do they all kind of stick together? Do they find mentorship in you? Have you thought about that? That they look up to you as a mentor? You know, it's kind of weird because the fact is, is that we're all around the same age. You know, Mm -hmm. like 
and I guess I would feel weird about mentoring someone that's around the same age as I am, but they, I wouldn't say they stick together. I mean, we have a Slack channel inside of the Prime group that's like Prime POC, but we don't uh-huh. really hang. I mean, they're all, I think they're all very different people. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely like kind of an in-group feel, but then they also kind of have other places that they're strongest at. And I think that kind of directs uh, where they spend most of their time. Well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't count out the whole thing about age being a a, <laughs> uh, a, a limiter for mentorship. My mentor is a year older than me. Oh, okay. Tend to rotate a few, but they're all like right around my age range as well. Okay. And it's interesting because we can empathize and communicate with each other on a closer level, I think, because we're close in age mm-hmm. that I might not be able to do with someone that would be older. Sure. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily count that out. I don't know. You know, I and also I just don't know that I have the personality for mentorship. I mean, I will say that I am not <laughs> like I think I come off as pretty negative. I think I come off as more of a pessimist. I look at the world and I'm like there's just so much that's wrong and I you know, and I think that I feel like you have to be like really positive to be a mentor. I wouldn't say, I mean, you're, it's not like you're not doing your part to fix it. I can understand if you were super negative and not doing anything, but like you're, you're I'm not saying you're super negative now, but I, what, I, what I mean to say, I'm putting this in my mind. What I mean to say is I wouldn't look at it as like an attitude thing because mentorship is a dialogue. Right. So it's between you and whomever you're mentoring and whatever level that is that you connect on, that's between you and your mentee. I don't think it necessarily has to be this sunshine and rainbow sort of thing me and my mentor vent all the time (laughs) about you know the things that happen out here i mean some of those conversations should probably never see the light of day but it's good to at least be able to have someone to be that sounding board Mm -hmm. but there's also someone that you can look up to because they're in a position that you may want to be in one day or they're doing something that you want to do so i don't know if there's really some like tried and true script for mentorship as it relates to that kind of thing, because it's so much about the one-to-one relationship. For sure. Yeah, no, I will have to consider that. It's something to think about. I feel stretched so thin right now just with the various things I'm doing, but that's something to think about for sure. If you weren't doing, I guess, what you're doing right now, which is is teaching, what do you think you would be working on? Yeah, so my husband recently started his own business. I mean, he was kind of doing things on the side while he had a regular full-time job. So if I wasn't working right now, I would be working with him. He's trying to get a product off the ground. So that's definitely what I would be doing and, and trying to help him to like be successful. What advice would you give to somebody that's kind of just starting out? Like maybe they want to follow in your footsteps. What would you tell them? I feel like the biggest hurdle for people with development is just the inability to suspend their disbelief about what's happening in front of them. You know, it's like you have to kind of just start kind of banging away and trying things and then see like what the computer tells you because the computer basically tells you what you're doing wrong. So I think just being open to experimentation and not like getting hung up on all the things you don't know, but like the little pieces that you can try that'll take you to where you want to get to. What's the best advice that you've been given? It could be career advice. It could be life advice. What's that good piece of advice that you've gotten that has really helped you out in life? Oh, man. 
I don't know. I mean, I would say probably the most life-changing thing that I've had happen right now is my husband got me a subscription to Calm.com. And I will say that meditating has made me far more chill. Like, I feel like I'm still like kind of negative, but I feel like I take things far better. Like, you know, it's like, oh, that happened. That was shitty. I can keep Mm -hmm. going. So I would say meditation seems to have made me far more chill and a lot happier. (laughs) What other kind of things do you do for self? I mean, self-care is important. What what other sort of things do you do? Yeah, uh, I I exercise. I do Sean T, T25 in the morning. Okay. What else? Honestly, that's basically all I have time for because I have school. um, I have teaching. I have various groups. I have organizing mini webcon. I have the meetup that I'm organizing. I'm going to be volunteering with BDPA as a instructor on the weekends for middle school and high school students in a couple of weeks. I just, that's basically all I have time for. I mean, that sounds like a lot. It sounds like you're really doing a lot out in the community. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying definitely to build a stronger community of color because I know that support and representation is really important. Is that what kind of really excites you about the work that you're doing is building that community for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think I feel just so fortunate to be an instructor at Prime and to be able to interact with people as a technologist, uh, because I think, you know, it's important for people to be exposed to people of different races and, you know, to people that are not men that program so that, you know, you start to break down some of these like preconceived notions we have about what people know and and what people are good at. So I, I just feel like, you know, everything that I do is making a little difference. That's a good thing. I like that. I like to hear that. Yeah. If you had the time and the money, what would be your dream project to work on? Oh, my gosh. The time and the money. So I have all types of like little things that I want to do. I bought, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I just buy domains. I'm like, oh, this is going to be hot. Join the club. Join the club. Me, Me and some friends are like in the middle of a thread on Facebook right now comparing like, what's the best domain names that you bought that you're probably not going to do anything with? So, yeah. Yeah. So one of mine that I really want to do, and this is, will make me no money, but I think it would be cool, is do a feminist Ipsum. So, like, you know. Okay. Yeah. I, so it's basically, I just have to figure out, like, basically where my source of data is going to be and if it's okay for me to reprint it, I think are going to be the biggest hurdles. But <laughs> I say go for it because I've seen so many corny ass like I, I there, there's all these like rap ipsums that mm-hmm. i've seen there's there's like yolo ipsum there's drake ipsum there's snoop well it's not called snoop ipsum it's called low rizzle low rizzle like you remember back <laughs> <laughs> you remember back in in like the the early to mid 2000s where everything Snoop was saying had an izzle on it, like Snoop a shizzle on nizzle. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's like it's lorem ipsum, but it's like low rizzle, ipsizzle. Like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I just saw today a DJ Khaled ipsum. Oh my gosh. So there needs to be something to balance that shit out. <laughs> yeah. So I say go for it. That I don't know how much, how, you know, the, the level of intensity that it would take to to put something like that together. But yeah, there needs to be some balance in the force. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, I, I've definitely seen some corny ones, like a lot of like 
weird, stupid gangster rap ips. And I'm like, oh. what? what? Like, it, like I, I understand the purpose for the dummy text. Yes. I don't know if I necessarily get why it has to be that. <laughs> Although, I'll, I'll mean, to be honest, for a long time, I used a text generator Ipsum called, I think it was called Mailvol or something like that. Oh. And what it generated was the lyrics to Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s. Oh. So it would be like Top Cat. <laughs> And, and Garfield and Friends and stuff like that, which I was like, oh, that's kind of like whimsical. Like, I like stuff like that. Yeah. But rap stuff just seems kind of dumb. To me, it does. But, you know. Well, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I assume a client's going to look at it, like, even in its unfinished form. And so, like, how much in words can you take? Yeah. If it's got, it's got in words in it and profanity, it's, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just like a fun weekend project that some people put together but i've seen people put that stuff together and get a lot of i won't say a lot of press for it but mm-hmm. certainly get a lot of attention for it and it's like it's yeah i it's, mean it's kind of and honestly aside from it being dumb it's never people of color that are doing it yeah it's not saying it's that it has to be relegated to that <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of ridiculous how you can do like little things on the web and then they they become like this big thing for like uh three days so you know i really do want to launch the feminist if some so where do you kind of see yourself in the next five years? Do you think you'll still be at Prime? Will you be working with your husband? What do you think you'll be doing? Yeah, I mean, the five-year question is super hard. At that point, I will have finished my dual degrees. I guess, you know, there's no telling what's going to happen with my husband's business. So if it's still around, um, maybe that. I guess, like, in a perfect world or even an imperfect world, I feel like I would be doing more more directed outreach to communities of color to teach them programming. I still think, you know, I think Prime is doing a really good job, you know, of making an environment where people feel safe and Mm -hmm. feel comfortable. But I I do feel like there are some specific barriers to the Black communities and the Twin Cities that can't be overcome with the way that, you know, Prime works now. I just think, you know, there's a lot more like kind of a, base knowledge stuff that needs to be taught for a lot of people you know people that don't have access to computers you know all the time that sort of thing and so I would feel the best if I could like reach those people and see you know what I can do there well I think that's a I mean certainly I think that's a good kind of future goal to have especially as technology will increase and as more people kind of look to that I would even say you know like Minneapolis maybe even throw in Milwaukee or like other like cities and other states that are right around in that area Mm -hmm. doing things to work together to kind of help kind of bridge that gap because I would imagine some of those same problems exist right around that area just I'm thinking just geographically they probably exist Mm -hmm. yeah for sure do you think that there's anything that you would do that would bring you back to Chicago I don't know I mean I really miss my family I do but it's just I don't know. There's a thing about Chicago. I love Chicago. And at the same time, I hate Chicago. Chicago is pretty expensive. Chicago Mm -hmm. is more overtly racial than, than the Twin Cities. And I don't know that I want... I don't know. Chicago is far more direct with its biases than I think the Twin Cities is. And but I also think the Twin Cities, the fact that they're not as direct and more like passive about it is also problematic. So I have no idea. Definitely if like if something happened and my mom needed me to be there, I mean I would be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've heard the thing about uh, Minnesota Nice, I think it's yeah. called. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's different. I can't even explain it. It's like, hmm. I can't. I, I, want, I know it's not like Southern Nice. Like, Southern Nice is like smile in your face and say really nice things, but really it's like shooting daggers. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. If it's that kind of nice. Uh, hmm. I feel like people here don't say a lot. I feel like they think a lot, but they don't say it. And they keep things very, like, brief and short. And so you never really get to, like, what might be bothering them. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you, about your work that you're doing and everything? Where can they find that out online? Yeah, well, so Prime Digital Academy, primeacademy.io is the website for that. Eventually, I'll update my blog at com slash blog. Eventually, that will happen, uh, hopefully soon. I post a lot on LinkedIn, so check me out on LinkedIn, Antoinette Othedna. I'm also on Twitter, mostly ranting at ant underscore off, so A-N-T underscore A-U-T-H. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, Antoinette Smith, thank you again for coming on the show. It is really good to hear about the work that you're doing with Prime Academy and kind of how that is helping you get out there more in the community. I know that a lot of, you know, a lot of these kinds of coding boot camps don't necessarily have the best reputation in general. Not saying that this is indicative of Prime, but just in general, Mm -hmm. they don't have the best reputation. So it's good that you're also doing things to get out there and foster and build the community that you want to see, whether it's, you know, the Twin Cities Blacks in Tech meetup or some of the other meetups that you're trying to do. So I feel that, you know, when we sort of spoke about mentorship, how you're like, you don't think that you would be probably a good mentor. I think more people look up to you than you think. I really do. I really think that. So again, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate hearing your viewpoint and, uh, and talking about the work that you're doing. So thank you. All right. Thank you, Maurice. And thank you for like everything you do. This has been great. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Antoinette Smith. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Antoinette and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook design works on an enormous and diverse range of interesting problems. No one designs at scale quite like Facebook does, and that scale is only matched by their commitment to giving back to the design community. Learn more about designing at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash design. When it comes to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have great in-depth reporting, new and improved autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contract and no credit card required. Check them out today at MailChimp.com. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain. Search for a few keywords and Hover will give you the best available options across all the domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using our promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners. It helps us bump up in those iTunes rankings. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and consider becoming a patron. 
Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels are super affordable. They start at just $1 per month, and you'll get access to behind-the-scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.